Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, Mayor Bruce Harrell gave his State of the City address. A cougar attack in northern Washington reminds us it's important to be prepared. And Boeing and Alaska have a long road ahead to rebuild trust with customers. Could an executive shuffle and a branded beer help? Seattle Times food writer Ton Vin and author Jody Ann Bury are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. The Washington State Senate passed a bill yesterday that would make it a felony to harass election workers. The bill, in response to election offices receiving suspicious powder in the mail last election cycle, the bill heads to the governor's desk after a brief stop back in the House for verification. Get your baseball caps and soccer scarves ready. The first Sounders regular season match and the first Mariners spring training game are both tomorrow afternoon. The Sounders are in L.A. this week, but they'll be at Lumen Field next Saturday for their first home match of the season. And if you've got tickets for a Columbia River paddle cruise from American Queen Voyages, you'll need to contact them for a refund. The Paddle Wheeler Cruise Company announced it's shutting down due to financial unsustainability since the pandemic. That's it for now. Check back later this afternoon for headlines with Paige Browning. Hey, hey. It's Friday again. Enjoy the calm weather for the next few days because things are going to get wet and cold next week. Tonvin is here. He's the Seattle Times food writer. Ton, you're in the studio. So good to see you. So good to see you, Trish. Yeah. It's so good to be here. Jodi Ann Bury's here, too. She's an author and speaker. Jodi Ann in person. Love that. Love it, too. Thanks so much for having me. So glad you're here. All right. Before we dive in, Spring is fast approaching, which is great if you love warm rain mixed with clouds. The tiny daffodils are up outside my place with one little early bloom right now. It's also the time we plan for summer concerts. This week, we learned a bit more about our local music festivals. Day In, Day Out is back at Seattle Center this summer. The lineup was announced this week. Capitol Hill Block Party and Bumper Shoot can't be far behind. Either of you been to any of our Seattle festivals recently? Jody Ann? I wouldn't say recently. I used to go to the Northwest Folk Festival mm-hmm. every year when I first moved here, which I love. Um, there's a new Afrobeats festival that started last year, so I'm excited to see that roll around. Hopefully it might roll around this year. Um, but I do the summer concerts where I get to sit and not go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I had spinal surgery a couple of years ago, and so it made me really anxious about being in public spaces. But, you know, I saw Janelle Monet at Miramar Park. I saw Trombone Shorty at Chateau St. Michel. And so it's been really nice to find accessible ways to enjoy music outside in Seattle. Yeah, I love an outdoor venue. What about you, Ton? You into the music festivals? Not much, but the most memorable one I've been to is Bumper Shoot. I mm-hmm. think it was around 2000. And actually, Tracy Chapman. Oh, was I was there. That. I was at that show, yeah. Vaughn. Yeah, you talk Cried about. tears. My husband always brings it up. <laughs> you talk about <laughs> second act, right? Fast cars, like the number one song now. Yeah. I remember mostly about that Bumper Shoot, the year 2000. And that was my introduction to Lady Smith Black Mombazo. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. And. 
it just reminds me that I need to keep an open mind because I like listening to rap. And even if you love heavy, heavy metal, mm-hmm. you should just keep an open mind and listen to different music. And that was my introduction. I know. I'm late to this game. They've no, been I around for that. decades. I realize that. <laughs> Don't send me hate mails. Shout out to whoever is booking the talent at Woodland Park Zoo. Zoo Tunes back for its 40th anniversary, bringing some big names. The Roots are back. Nora Jones, Built to Spill. Car Seat Headrest, which is a favorite of a couple of our producers and my teenager, who probably will get up early to get those tickets on my dime. The zoo is an awesome place, though, to see a show, you two. We were talking about outdoor music venues. This is the best one. Just full disclosure, I was a little rushed coming here. Um, I told the producer, Vaughn, that it was because I was so deep into the news, which is part of it. Uh, but also, I was trying to get tickets for the roots <laughs> before I got here and was in line. Oh, Jody so. Ann, we have to fight because I want to see the roots. <laughs> we'll go together. Am I in trouble? Well, I hope you both get your tickets. Okay, you two, let's dive into the big story of the week. Mayor Bruce Harrell giving his State of the City address. It's his third one. We've reached the midpoint of his first term as mayor. The mayor needs to pack a lot of politicking into these speeches, but there was some meaningful stuff in there. First, policing and public safety. The mayor talked about needing to rework SPD's recruitment processes to find officers that, quote, share our values. Now, I have heard him say these exact words many times during his tenure as mayor. And I have to ask at this point, what does he mean when he says that? Because I think there are a lot of people in this city right now who think we're wrestling with what our values are. Well, I think that's a really fantastic line of questioning. What do you mean by shared values? As you said, the marker of any good political speech is to say things that people cannot disagree with. And so if you say something like shared values or innovation, it's really hard to say no to that if you don't do the further questioning, like what we're doing here, of what do you mean? Mm. And so when I read the review of his um, speech, he said something about you know, his administration building on Seattle's historical reputation for innovation Mm. to address the biggest problems facing the city. And I just want to highlight that innovation does not always equal good, right? Mm. You know, we discussed recently on a week in review about the surveillance technology that he wants to bring into the city and shot spotter, which the technology does not work. You know, issues aside of if we want to increase surveillance within the city. And so that I don't share that value, right? That is not part of my shared values Mm. at all. Um, And so I feel like we're just investing in like pinky promises and we're risking the lives of residents. Jody, when I think of shared value... What I think he means to me is the biggest issues today. And I think when you talk about the biggest issues, it's homelessness and downtown revitalization. And I don't see a way out. You can, it, it sounds so general, right? Shared value. And that could mean anything. But to me, it's, it's very obvious. Those are the two big issues. Mm. And those are two big issues that a lot of cities are facing across the nation. There's no easy solution. I heard his speech, and I still don't see a roadmap. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, to pull back on that, because you're raising a great um, point here around downtown revitalization and homelessness. These are the most visible issues, but I don't share that that is the core problem, right? These are symptoms of a larger issue within the city, which is income inequity. I really want to encourage listeners to think about what are the values that you have for the city? What do you think are the core problems, right? And who shares those values? And how can we have more collective conversations and elevate that voice? The mayor gave his speech just a day before the King County Prosecutor's Office announced that Officer Kevin Dave, who struck Jean Vicandula in a crosswalk while on duty and killed her, will not face charges for this. Now, How do you recruit against a situation like that for a police department? SPD has had its fair share of news stories that speak to its culture. And I'm not sure, to your point, Jody Ann, that that's a value that we share. Yeah. Trish, you know, this might seem sarcastic, but the answer to every problem is you throw money at it. Mm -hmm. You give Mm -hmm. police more money, a higher salary. But guess what we don't have, Trish? Money. We have a budget, budget deficit. deficit. Yep. So this is a long way of saying we're screwed. If you can't give them a better salary, you can't recruit them in this culture, in this climate. Well, let's talk about a couple of things that we are trying here, uh, even with a budget deficit. We can talk about care teams, which the mayor brought up. Those are six mental health professionals working separately from Seattle Police Department and Fire Department, a third public safety department, the mayor likes to call it. It's an attempt to, you know, respond appropriately to scenarios that don't necessarily need police involvement, right, while still freeing up a beleaguered police department to deal with crime. If you want to know what's going on in Seattle, these are the people who really know what's going on in this city, right? These are the people who are sitting with the widow on the corner who just got evicted from her apartment because her husband died and she didn't understand how to pay the rent. You know, they are dealing with tough situations in this city. So I think that this is helpful, personally. I agree. You know, I want to see more public health professionals responding to public health issues, right, on the ground. I would want to see the reduction of police involvement. To my understanding, part of why um, John V. got hit is that the officer was speeding and rushing to a drug overdose case. Yeah. Right. Yep. It was a priority one call. Priority one call. And why does a police officer need to be present for an OD, you know? And so I think the more that we can put people who are experts in social services and experts in public health at the front line, you know, maybe with some support because the reality is sometimes these cases can get violent. Um, I think that's better for the city. And I would love to see, you know, to the issue of the budget deficit and raising salaries that our social servants, our public health and, and social workers specifically are adequately paid for that type of work. I have to say, The professionalism I hear is real. Like, these are professionals who are dealing with an untenable situation of emergency calls in this city. All right. The mayor also talked about the progress of his plan to reactivate the downtown area. Some parts of the city's waterfront project are going to open up sometime in 2024. Tourism is at its highest since 2019. 
more employees are coming back to work in downtown offices. I, for one, am definitely looking forward to some of that construction ending downtown. I was down there not too long ago, and I had to do a crazy workaround to get to my secret parking spot because the traffic <laughs> flow had changed, and I, man, not not comfortable. So, yeah, it's going to look great. Trish, I would say that my measuring stick is two words, happy hour. <laughs> From a food writer yeah, perspective, yeah. I can tell you three years ago when downtown was a ghost town, Julianne, there were no happy hour because as the bar owner, cafe owner of Seattle Art Museum inside there said, there's no one downtown, so there's no need to staff mm. a ha- for a happy hour. And now if you go to downtown, there are a lot more happy hours. Is it a full house as in 2019 or pre-pandemic time? No, but that's prog- progress. When we see happy hour pack, that's when I know that downtown mm-hmm. is back. Yeah. We're not back yet. All right. All right. I mean, I'll say this. Nothing feels good about living somewhere that only buys new furniture when guests are coming. <laughs> <laughs> The mayor's cleaning up for the World Cup because that's coming in 2026. We better get our SHIT in gear, man. Well, yeah. Well, let me say this. Well, let me say this. You know, um, I have to be honest. I don't go downtown a lot. Um, I don't need to spend a lot of time there. I live in Wallingford. If I'm going to do happy hours, I'm going to do that in other areas. You know, maybe I'll go to Capitol Hill. But I try to find um, those smaller places places around the city. And that's one thing I love about Seattle, that you don't have to necessarily depend on downtown to have that type of culture. That said, downtown feels a little off (laughs) to me. Um, And it's been nice to see um, some of the changes. As you're talking about, Trish, the traffic patterns changing. I parked my car down there recently to walk on to the Bainbridge Ferry. And I was like, oh, my God, like these streets are opening back up. (laughs) Yeah. It's really nice. Um, But I don't know. I think it will take me some time to fully invest in like spending money downtown and spending time downtown. But I want to see the types of changes that are exciting for people who live here you know, versus people who are just visiting for a weekend or a holiday or come for the World Cup. All right, let's move on. Holy moly, Cougar Attack. A group of five cyclists were riding trails northeast of Fall City this past weekend when they were attacked by a cougar. Did you hear this freaking 911 call? This was bananas. I can't. This woman sounded so calm. I have no idea. Their friend had been mauled. They had pinned this cougar down with their bikes, and it was fighting them. It was fighting them. She says, you need to get here. We need fish and wildlife here with a gun. Fish and wildlife did come. The woman who was attacked is at Harborview, still recovering the last time I heard. So scary, also rare. Fish and Wildlife Department says there have only been two fatal cougar attacks and approximately 20 other recorded encounters that resulted in human injury that's over the past century. Yeah, Trish, I would say this, because it happens every time, right? We interview a wildlife official, and the statement is, and it's fair, it's fair, like this attack is an aberration. Mm. They are more scared of us than we are of them. But that said, that said the logic and the probability of this is It's pretty high or will be because think about this, Trish. More people on trails now, or to put it another way, 
more people are intruding on wildlife space yep. now. And especially with the trails being crowded, everyone wants to be off the bean path, the road less travel. Well, guess what, boys and girls? Guess what's lurking behind those bushes when you go, go off the bean path? Yep. So, yeah, this is going to happen more. I'll just say one thing I've learned about moving to this area is that if you're going to adventure into the woods to just understand and respect that animals share that space too. Yeah. And so, you know, I do hiking every once in a while. I don't go too far off the pathways. Um, but even in high infrastructure areas, um, I went to the new getaway house that's like near Mount Vernon. And when I read their little you know, welcome packet. They said that there are cougars in the area. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Because <laughs> one thing I don't mess with are cats, like wild cats. They just have a skill set that we don't have. Mm. They climb trees. They can jump midair. Like, it's just a lot of athleticism for yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, the, the worker who I was talking to about it was super casual about it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, they stay up there and they'll come on the property. And I'm like, oh, no, baby, like, you're not going to see me when they're out and about. And so I was really terrified. And so I think, you know, to use anxieties around this as information, as a call to action of doing your own research before you venture into these spaces about how should you react and how should you engage with wildlife. This group of people did do the right thing, according to Fish and Wildlife. So they probably knew ahead yeah. of time, right? Experienced. Cougar experts say that if you run into one, you want to make sure to stand tall and slowly back away and not run Okay. <laughs> Trish, let's face it. What this comes down to is fight or flight response, yeah, right? Because exactly. it's easy for everyone to say, hey, don't panic, don't run, just stand tall and make a lot of noise. But the reality is, if your instinct is to fight, then you will do that. You have a fighting chance. But if your instinct is to flight or flee, then you're dead meat. Well... It says, according to Fish and Wildlife, if the cougar does attack, just fight like hell. We're moving on We're again. Moving on. <laughs> it's been a few weeks, you two, since a door plug blew out during an Alaska Airlines flight on a Boeing plane. The fallout ongoing. In one of the least surprising moves of this entire thing, Boeing has fired the leader of the 737 MAX program after 18 years of service with the company. Ed Clark was the vice president of the MAX program and the general manager of the Renton facility. Preliminary findings from the National Transportation Safety Board found that facility was responsible for installing the door plug incorrectly. I'm pretty sure Ed Clark knew he was on the way out. You don't get to that level of corporate infrastructure and not see the writing on the wall. Seattle Times reporter Dominic Gates makes an interesting comparison when talking about the change that Clark was put in charge because of his engineering experience. And now his successor, Katie Ringgold, was put in charge because of her business-oriented expertise. You know, Trish, when I first heard this, I said, oh, this is good because she seems to check all the boxes, right? Mm. She has a resume. She has a business degrees, plural. She's a successful woman in a male-dominated field. Yeah. And then I realized, you know what? There's one box that's missing, and that is she's an insider. She's been with Boeing since 2011. Mm. And I think when you're in a crisis and credibility is at stake, you need to look outside the company. One of my points about this was I'm not sure that this move does anything to rebuild 
the reputation with like regular consumers? Like what does this corporate shuffle mean to me? What it means to me is when you're having a major crisis like this, someone is going to have to lose their job. Right. I, think, <laughs> I mean, that's what the public expects. That is something that they have to show, even if people are not responsible even the people who are probably the most responsible mm. might not lose their jobs, but someone has to lose their job. Now, am I worried about Ed Clark? No. He's One thing fine. I know about white men in work is they fail <laughs> up constantly. So he'll be fine. Right. But as far as what does it mean for safety? What does it mean for consumer trust? You know, the stock market for me is not the priority. My life is. I fly constantly. I do prefer Alaska Airlines, and this does not make me feel good at all about flying, period, yeah. much less on that airline. Well, Alaska is working hard to remind you that they're great, Jody Ann. I am sure as a frequent flyer of the airline, you've gotten the emails talking about the stellar deals, and they've been running ads about how much leg room their premium class seats have. Did my leg shrink i can move them i mean i knew alaska airlines premium class had extra leg room but this this feels different how much money does that cost and is leg room what we're asking for honestly a couple more bolts alaska also made the news this week because they're partnering with fremont brewing to release a signature ipa which i'm sure was in the works before the door panel thing the Cloud Cruiser IPA notes of citrus and melons and no mention of in-flight safety. I actually, I find this quite distasteful and not just because I don't like beer. <laughs> <laughs> not big on beer. I'm a wine girly myself, but um, I find it really distasteful. Again, you're right. They had this in the works. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> they've lost enough money. Y'all could lose a little bit more, you know, and hold it off. Yeah. Okay, a, a little secret here. Time for Tan's travel tip, boys and girls. <laughs> you know what I do? Flying is so stressful now. I seriously, every time I fly, I take an edible. <laughs> when I fly, I fly high. I cannot. I kid you not. I kid you not. So if you put me in a middle seat, it doesn't matter. No problem. All I need is like a bottle of water because I'll get con mouth at some point. <laughs> But I'm good. I'm not even exaggerating, Trish. I seriously fly high every time. All right, we're leaving it there. Ton Bin is a food writer at the Seattle Times. Jody Ambury is an author and speaker. Thanks again, you two. Thanks, Trish. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. And extra thanks to the generous listeners who financially support this show. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones and edited by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. Our production team also includes Claire McGrain, Paige Browning, and Andy Hurst. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you soon. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. <laughs>